Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports episode 278. Once again, get your pitchforks ready. Uh, we got a fun episode today. We're going to do NFL predictions for the NFC. Uh, we'll start with the NFC South, but first I want to answer a question I know. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on iTunes, you probably don't even care. You're like, eh, I can't see you, Zach. But if you're watching on YouTube, you're like, Zach, you're wearing the party shirt again. And I got to know, Zach, do you wear the same exact shirt every single episode? <gasps> and the answer is kind of, right? I have one hanging up over there on a light stand. I have one I'm wearing. And to prove it to you that I have more than one of the same exact shirt. Oh, what is this? <gasps> Another replica. Of the party shirt. Oh, so there it's answered, right? I don't wear the same shirt every single episode. I don't smell like a pig in mud. I have multiple of the same shirts. I got it for like $8 at Ross. And I was like, oh, a bunch of them. I like them. They're comfortable. And you can't see my sweat lines. Let's do it, right? <laughs> They're great on camera. They're so comfortable. And uh, someday we'll get another Hawaiian shirt. I was going to wear a different one. I think it shrunk in the wash. Uh, and it made me look really, really fat. Like it was way too tight. I mean, I'm like, well, can't be wearing that on the show. I look really ugly. So... Uh, if, like, if anyone ever wants to send me a Hawaiian shirt or even just give me a link because I'm, I'm trying to find high quality Hawaiian shirts. They're hard to find, but if you can find a good one, oh my gosh, like they're the most comfortable things ever made. If you can find a comfortable Hawaiian shirt, it's actually straight up the most comfortable shirt you've ever worn in your entire life. I've talked way too long. It's not even a sponsorship. I just, just love it. We'll start in the NFC South today. I believe the New Orleans Saints are going to go 11 and five. In 2020, this is a team that is loaded in so many ways. Uh, number one, they're incredibly deep at quarterback, which is a weird position to be deep at. But they not only have a future Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, but behind him, they have Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Now, running back, they have Alvin Kamara, a guy who, man, he's in the middle of a contract negotiation, but he's a great player. He's going to play somehow. The Saints are going to find a way to get him on the field. They also have a very good backup running back. Latavius Murray, he once played in Minnesota. He's awesome. They have a superstar receiver, Michael Thomas. Some people say that Mike Thomas is the very best in the NFL. They added receiver Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. They have a tight end, Jared Cook, who's awesome. They got a ton of offensive weapons in New Orleans. They also, though, have a good defense. They have two defensive, defensive ends that I like. They have Cameron Jordan and Marcus Davenport. If you remember, Marcus Davenport is the guy who got injured against the 49ers last year. And that was a big loss. It, a small one. Pe one people didn't really notice, but losing Marcus Davenport was not a, a fun event for the Saints defense last year. Having him back this year is going to be a really big deal. The Saints also have a good secondary. They have Malcolm Jenkins at safety. They have two corners I like, Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins. But I got to say, all the I listed a bunch of players like, wow, they got names. They got all these names. They got Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. They have, you know, Cameron Jordan, Marcus Davenport. Wow. A lot of good players in New Orleans. Yes, for sure. But the number one most important battle for New Orleans this year is going to be against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In my opinion, either the Saints or the Buccaneers are going to win the NFC South. Um, and it's going to be a really fun battle to watch. I cannot wait. Uh, personally, again, I have the Saints winning that battle. They're going to go 11-5 and five and win the division. But down the stretch, I, I mean, week one, for example, we're getting Saints-Buccaneers. It's going to be a blast. 
And that is a race, whether they're playing each other or not, throughout the year, watching them go back and forth at the top of that division. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And so I cannot wait to watch the Saints this year. They're very good. Part of the reason why I have the Saints winning the division instead of New Orleans, uh, instead of Tampa Bay is because they've played together before, right? Tom Brady, no matter how great Tom Brady is, is playing for the first time with different receivers and new coach. He's learning the guys around him, whereas you just can't replicate Drew Brees' connection with Michael Thomas. He's played with him before. He knows the people there. He's incredibly got an incredibly deep understanding of Sean Payton and the way his coach works. So whereas Tampa Bay is going to be learning, Drew Brees has it down. New Orleans has complete understanding of what they're doing. They've done it before together. That gives them an edge, especially in a year like this where they've had a really weird training camp and really, really weird offseason. So I had the Saints winning the division, but again, that battle between Tampa Bay and New Orleans is going to be incredibly, incredibly fun. Now, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 10-6 and six in 2020. This team has a lot of talent. They added future Hall of Fame quarterback Tom Brady. Anytime you do that, it's a big deal. Tom Brady can still play. I did a film analysis of him. They also got tight end Rob Gronkowski. They have two, uh, two really good stud receivers, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. They have another tight end, O.J. Howard, who I like. They got a couple of good running backs, too. They have Leonard Fournette. They have LaShawn McCoy. They have Ronald Jones. Now, one of the bigger questions for the Buccaneers is going to be their right tackle. They're starting a rookie. Kristen Wirfs was, a, was the 13th overall pick out of Iowa in the NFL draft. He will be starting at right tackle for the Buccaneers, again, as a rookie. And the Bucs offensive line is somewhat of a question mark. But I will say having Tom Brady as your quarterback helps your offensive line tremendously because they are constantly be going to be getting the, the right calls at the line of scrimmage, having the right checks, having the right protections called, um, and getting that kind of help at the line of scrimmage, making sure they're always in the right situation is going to be a big advantage. So despite some question marks on the offensive line, I think just simply having Tom Brady, a guy making sure they're in the right situation all the time, is really really going to help Tampa Bay in their offensive line. Now, the Buccaneers' defense is incredibly underrated, if you ask me. They have Ndamukong and Sue and Vita Vea on the interior of their defensive line. They have two good edge defenders, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. Remember, Shaq Barrett led the entire NFL in sacks last year with 19 and a half. Uh, they got linebacker Devin White, who was a fifth overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft. They've got two solid corners, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Uh, both are very underappreciated. That's kind of the word here with the Buccaneers defense. These are names you may not have heard of, but they're, they're very, very quality players. And if you haven't heard of Shaq Barrett, you're not paying attention because he's a very, very, very good, especially pass rusher, but a good defensive end, I guess edge rusher. He's kind of, he's an outside linebacker really, um, but he's really good at his job. And then rookie safety, Antoine Winfield, Junior, not the dad, the junior. Uh, he's kind of the wild card of this defense where he's a safety, he's a rookie, but he's going to be starting. I don't know what to expect. I, I think he's good, and we'll find out. It's going to be really fun to watch, though. How does Antoine Winfield Jr. handle himself as a rookie in this defense? But all in all, man, the Buccaneers are really good. Uh, I'm really curious to see how they do against New Orleans and the Saints. Um, either the Saints or the Buccaneers are going to win the division. I said this in my Saints prediction as well, that I think where the Saints get the edge here 
is they know each other better. They've played together before. Drew Brees is not in his first year with his coach. He knows Michael Thomas. They've got rapport. Uh, Tom Brady, and, and God bless Tom Brady. He's really good. He's really awesome. I, I've been a fan of him my entire life, but you have to obje- objectively look at the fact that Tom Brady's in a new offense with a new coach and new receivers that he's never played with before. And when you look at the offseason they've had in Tampa Bay with a lot of weird stuff going on, uh, Tom Brady's had a lot of reps. He's you know worked out with his receivers. He's trained with them. He's gotten a lot of reps. But I think no matter what you do, uh, Drew Brees will always have the advantage of he knows his guys probably better than Tom Brady knows his. Um, either way, though, man, Saints, Buccaneers, it's going to be a crazy fun battle all the way to the end. Uh, I, I actually think the Buccaneers win week one against New Orleans. That's going to be a crazy fun game on uh, this weekend. And so just pay attention, man. Saints, Buccaneers, that's going to be a fun matchup. I have the Buccaneers going 10-6, and six, making the wild card spot, getting into the playoffs, but they're going to be second in the NFC South. Now Atlanta. Ooh, I got to drink some water first. I want to talk about Atlanta. I believe the Atlanta Falcons will go 7-9 and nine in 2020. Um, I feel bad about this one, but the Falcons' schedule is tough. Uh, and their defense, they're better than last year, but they're still going to have a hard time slowing down really good offensive teams. Uh, and if you run through their roster, look, they got a lot of talent. They've got former MVP quarterback Matt Ryan. They have Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage, all at receiver. The Falcons' offensive line is going to be better. They got right guard and right tackles that are both entering their second year, meaning they're going to have another year of experience. Uh, right tackle Caleb McGarry really made a lot of progression last year. Uh, right guard Chris Lindstrom is a guy who got hurt. He only played five games, but I will say that Atlanta was 4-1 and one when Chris Lindstrom was in their lineup, so he has an impact. Having him on their offensive line makes them better. Running back Todd Gurley is a guy who got released by the L.A. Rams, um, and I think this happened because, frankly, the Rams were paying him way more than he's worth, but if you watch film of Todd Gurley, you'll see, okay, Todd Gurley is not a bum. He's capable still. He's got something left in the tank. Um, I think it makes sense to believe, hey, Todd Gurley is going to play well and have a couple of good runs this year, even if he's not quite what he used to be, and he's certainly not worth what he was being paid in L.A. It makes sense that he's still in the NFL. He's not a complete useless bum. Todd Gurley can still play at a high level to some degree. Maybe not a high level, but he can play at an adequate level and be a good starting running back in the NFL. Atlanta has some interesting names on defense as well. They add a defensive end, Dante Fowler in free agency. Uh, They're going to pair him with Grady Jarrett on the defensive line. Uh, Defensive end Tack McKinley is a guy that he's a former first-round pick uh, from 2017. He's really never had a breakout year. But I got to say, I am still hopeful that he maybe has a breakout year. And at the very minimum is going to be he's going to come out and play consistently and give them good defensive end play in Atlanta. Uh, Rookie corner A.J. Terrell out of Clemson is going to be a starter for them. I anytime you got a rookie rookie corner starting, uh, the two I feel best about are Jeff Okuda and Damon Arnett. I like AJ Terrell. I think unfortunately he's going to get burned a couple times, partly because man, um, I like the Falcons, but they're flawed and they are better on defense. But they play an incredibly good group of quarterbacks. They play Matt Ryan. They play Tom Brady. They play Drew Brees. That's Michael Thomas. That's 
Mike Evans. That's, I mean, what, did I say Matt Ryan? <laughs> they don't play Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan is their quarterback. But my point is, and that, so it's just another vision period. Uh, my point, though, is that they're going to have a hard time against really good teams with good receivers. And I, I just think that uh, the Falcons are going to have to score a lot of points in order to win. And I have nothing against Matt Ryan. I really like Matt Ryan. Uh, I do believe we saw some of his limitations where if you don't give Matt Ryan help, last year happens where Matt Ryan, uh, they weren't a great offense and they weren't a great team because he needs support around him. And in order for Atlanta to win, they're going to need a better defense. They don't have it this year. They're a little bit better, but a little bit better is not a lot better like they needed to be. And I have the Falcons going 7-9 and nine this year in 2020. My mouth is so dry. It's awful. People may not know, behind the scenes, I've got really a big problem with my um, wisdom teeth. It's just really, really painful. It's not fun. I'm going to need them out at some point during this season. I I shouldn't wait, but I want to get through at least a week or two of the NFL season before I get my wisdom teeth out and miss a couple days because that's going to be a really big pain. Um, But my mouth right now, (laughs) ah, it hurts. It's not fun. And I'll get them out. I know it's it's on the list, but right now... um, it's not in the cards. Money's also tight right now, so I'm, I'm like, I can't. Uh, it's, it's just a, a giant pain. Um, I believe the Carolina Panthers are going to go 4-12 and 12 in 2020. And saying the words 4-12, and 12, it breaks my heart. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Although, I will say that getting a high draft pick will help out the Carolina Panthers moving forward. Panthers owner David Tepper is very clearly rebuilding. He brought in a new head coach, Matt Rule. And dude, I love Matt Rule. He's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL. I find him incredibly compelling, the way he talks, uh, what he's done in the past, the way he carries himself, everything. Like, can I come play for Matt Rule? I know I've got no value to the Carolina Panthers as a player in any capacity, Um, but I would kill to be around Matt Rule. He seems like a good dude and a great coach. Uh, He hired an offensive, uh, what am I saying, an awesome Offensive coordinator Joe Brady, who is the guy that coached Joe Burrow at LSU. Joe Brady, the Panthers' offensive coordinator, he's just a wizard at creating really good matchups. Um, and I want to revisit Matt Rule for a second because he has just proven over and over again that he is the king of turning around programs, where he took Temple from two wins to 10 wins in four years. He took Baylor from a one-win season to an 11-win season in just three years. So the process of turning things around is happening in Carolina with the Panthers, and I, I like what's going on. I think it's the right move for them. Uh, I'm excited to watch the progression of Carolina, even if this year it's not going to be pretty. Now, part of the process of rebuilding meant they had to tear down what they already had and what they had before. And as a result of that, the Panthers got rid of their quarterback, Cam Newton. Um, and I, I got to say that I think Cam Newton's better off with the New England Patriots this year, where he's going to have a better time. He's going to win more games in New England. Um, I don't think Cam Newton really would have liked being a part of the rebuilding process. And I don't think the Panthers wanted to rebuild around Cam Newton. It was time for them to break up. I think it was a good breakup. They both kind of won in this situation where the Panthers got to move on and start fresh. And Cam Newton gets to go have a lot of fun, I hope, in New England. Uh, tight end Greg Olson was let go as well. He's kind of a, I mean, these are franchise cornerstone players where Cam Newton is gone. 
Greg Olson is gone. Also, even linebacker Luke Keekley retired. Uh, the Panthers are just completely starting fresh. Now, their newest starting quarterback is Teddy Bridgewater, a guy that he doesn't throw an amazing ball. He's kind of got an average arm. He's average athletically. But I will say to Teddy Bridgewater's credit, he's a very good decision maker. He's really good between the ears. I like him as a decision maker. And what Teddy Bridgewater gives to Carolina for however long he's our starting quarterback, it could be a couple of years, it could be this year, it could be part of this year. I have no idea how long the Teddy Bridgewater thing is going to last in Carolina. Uh, but for however long he is their quarterback, whether it's long-term or not, he's going to bring consistency and stability at the position of quarterback for Carolina. They're going to really appreciate that about him, is that he is consistent and a good decision maker. Now, the backup quarterbacks are actually very interesting as well. They have P.J. Walker, a former XFL star. I love P.J. Walker. He lit it up in the XFL for the Houston Roughnecks. It was so much fun. But I also got to say, and this does surprise me, I would not write off Will Greer, uh, the guy from West Virginia. He's entering his second year in the NFL. He played two games as a rookie last year. And look, let's be honest, Will Greer was awful last year. However, I got to say, I was really, really impressed with the way that he he showed a lot of self-awareness this offseason. Like he was very, he owned up to his shortcomings and he seems to be working hard. And I think it's cool when a guy can say, yeah, I was bad and I, I wasn't living, playing to my standard and I got to do better. And it seems like he's working really hard. And I find that really interesting and compelling. Uh, the Panthers obviously have a superstar running back, Christian McCaffrey. Everyone knows who he is. They have two receivers I like. They have DJ Moore, and they brought in a new speedy deep threat from New York, Robbie Anderson. The Panthers' offensive line is not terrible. It's kind of in a process of—it's a work in progress. They're rebuilding everything. The problem is, I look at the Panthers, and I like what they're doing to some degree. They're building some good stuff. The problem is they got some really tough matchups, both the offenses they play and the defensive lines they play. The offensive line is going to be up against some really good defensive players— and then the defense. So they have a new defensive tackle, Derek Brown. He was the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft. Uh, they signed a corner, Eli Apple, from New Orleans. Otherwise, there's not a lot of names that I find interesting or that I care about very much. The Panthers are rebuilding their defense. And unfortunately, they play against three really, really great quarterbacks. Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. Oh, and by the way, really good receivers on all three of those teams. And so I don't think that they're going to win a lot of games this year. That makes me sad because I like what they're doing. I think it's the beginning of a rebuilding process. Um, but I do expect some competitive games. They might go 4-12, uh, but it's going to be very interesting, very competitive, very compelling 4-12. Because even if this team loses a lot of games, they're going to fight really hard, fight till the end. That's what I see from the Carolina Panthers this year. Not a very good, high winning year, but a year of growth, a year of rebuilding. Um, and I do like the direction where the Carolina Panthers are headed long term. I like their coach. I like what they have at quarterback right now. They're doing the right stuff. They just got to understand that the process of rebuilding takes a while. It took Matt Rule four years to get Temple from a two-win team to a 10-win team. It takes a lot of time. You know, three years at Baylor. I want to see where the Panthers are in three or four years, but I'm not going to judge them for their future on what happens this year because I understand this year in Carolina is a year of rebuilding. Uh, because the Panthers are, are rebuilding and they're making progress, I, I find it sad that the Panthers play 
Atlanta week four and week eight. I got to wonder if the Panthers played the Falcons at the end of the year instead of in the first eight games. You know, because by the end of the year, you got to understand the Panthers are going to be a different, better football team. And so I wish they played Atlanta later in the year. Maybe they could beat Atlanta if they had time to get better by week 16 or 17 and play Atlanta at the end of the year. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. But I got to say what's on my mind there is that you got to understand the Panthers are going to be better week 17 than they are week one. Now we can do it. I'm going to take a short break. My name is Zach Schombler. When I return, we'll talk about the NFC North. We'll talk about the NFC South. We will talk about the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Eagles. It'll be a lot of fun. My name is Zach Schombler. I will be right back. All right, let's talk about the NFC North. I believe the Green Bay Packers are going to go 11-5 and in 2020. I have them winning the NFC North. There's a lot to love about this team. I think they're better than last year, even if their record is not going to be better than last year. Obviously, everybody knows about their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. But really, this team is built to run the ball. They have a good offensive line, uh, and they have two impressive running backs. They have Aaron Jones and first-round pick A.J. Dillon. I love the Packers' top receiver, Devontae Adams. He's got great ball skills, great body control. I don't think Devontae Adams really gets the respect and praise he deserves. And then do not sleep on another receiver they have, Marquez Valdez-Scanting. He's gotten a lot of praise in training camp from quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I like what he's doing. I want to see him continue to get better. The Packers also have a good defense. They made a lot of they have a lot of the same names kind of sticking around. They have Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith from last year on the edge, safety Adrian Amos. But here's why their defense is going to be better in 2020. They have former first-round pick Rashawn Gary. He's entering his second year in the league. I am expecting Rashawn Gary to take a big step forward and make a lot of progress this year. He's been killing it in camp, winning one-on-one battles a lot. There's a lot of buzz around Rashawn Gary, and apparently he worked his butt off this offseason. I cannot wait to watch Rashawn Gary play for the Packers defense. I also like Packers D-tackle Kenny Clark. Um, And the media likes to stir up a lot of drama about the Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. I've even been a part of it before. I, I hate to admit it. It's it's easy to fall into that trap. But the reality is, it's year two with Aaron Rodgers in Matt LaFleur's system. Another year of comfort, another year of familiarity. Aaron Rodgers, I expect to be better this year. I expect the Packers to be better all around this year. And I think they're going to have a great year and win their division. I see the Packers winning the NFC North, going 11-5, and five, doing it. A better team, even if they have fewer wins than last year. And I, I just see the Packers as having a great year. I really like what they're doing. And I think it's really annoying, by the way. This is a side tangent. People are just analyzing and picking apart every little tiny thing that their backup quarterback, Jordan Love, does. Jordan Love was not drafted to be ready to play week one. And it's really weird how everybody's tearing in. I think just overanalyzing their backup third-string quarterback, Jordan Love. Yeah, he was picked in the first round. He was picked, though, to sit and learn behind Aaron Rodgers. If anybody expected Jordan Love to be incredibly good and competitive day one or week one of the NFL season, they were just wrong. And so I just, this whole narrative about people, Jordan love this, Jordan love that, have patience, take a deep breath, relax, let the Jordan love thing work itself out. But I got to say, forget Jordan love. He's not going to be a factor this year for the Packers. I really like Aaron Rodgers. I like what they're doing. I have the Packers winning their division and having a very, very good year 
in the NFC North. I have the Minnesota Vikings going 10-6 and six in 2020. They lost offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski to Cleveland. He is now the Cleveland Browns' new head coach. But they replaced him. They replaced their offensive coordinator by elevating Gary Kubiak. And if you've never heard of Gary Kubiak, um, first of all, I like this move because a lot of the verbiage stays the same. It's basically the same offense and the same philosophy. Because they're Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski are guys who heavily influenced each other. Gary Kubiak can coach, though. He won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos as their head coach with none other than Peyton Manning as their quarterback. He's a guy who can coach, and I'm really excited to watch the Vikings this year with Gary Kubiak running their offense. Quarterback Kirk Cousins gets a bad rap. He's actually a guy I like. He's very solid. He's not perfect. He leaves a little bit to be desired, but I think Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. They did trade away receiver Stephon Diggs. That's going to be... Ooh, that's going to hurt. They do have Adam Thielen still. They drafted LSU receiver Justin Jefferson. But as a rookie, Justin Jefferson simply is not going to be able to completely replace the hole that was left by Stephon Diggs. They do still have Dalvin Cook as their running back. They've got a tight end. I like Kyle Rudolph. And I love the Vikings defense. They're well coached. They're really fundamentally sound. They've got good schematics. They've got good players. Now, unfortunately, defensive end Daniel Hunter is hurt. He's likely going to miss around the first month of the year. They do have linebacker Anthony Barr. They also traded for defensive end Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars. But another big loss is that Michael Pierce, the guy they added in free agency, a defensive lineman, has opted out of the year with COVID concern because he has asthma and is high risk of getting COVID. So the Vikings leave me with a couple questions as I walk away. Can their defense survive some of the personnel losses they've had? Can Justin Jefferson deliver at receiver? Can he really fill the void he needs to with Stephon Diggs? I'll tell you right now, I don't think he can. Is Dalvin Cook, the running back, going to stay healthy? He's got an injury history where every year it seems like Dalvin Cook gets on a roll and then his injury slows him down. And he wants a new contract. I'm not sure I'd give Dalvin Cook the money he wants. All in all, the Vikings are a good team. And either the Packers or the Vikings are going to win the NFC North. Now let's talk about Detroit. I have the Detroit Lions going 5-11 and 11 in 2020. And number one, quarterback Matthew Stafford is coming back from an injury. The Lions did not win a game without him last year. He's a massive deal to this franchise. And quite frankly, he's been given way too big of a burden for the last couple of years. I feel bad for Matthew Stafford. He's really a victim here in, in Detroit where he's just been given... Bad hand after bad hand, bad people around him. The Lions have a couple of interesting running backs. They've got Carrion Johnson. They've got longtime NFL great Adrian Peterson. They've got a rookie second rounder from Georgia, DeAndre Swift. I love receiver Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola. They're good receivers as well. Unfortunately, though, the Lions offense is already a little bit banged up. Uh, I do want to watch tight end TJ Hawkinson. He got hurt last year, but he is promising. The Lions' defense, oh, they were awful last year. Despite head coach Matt Patricia's defensive background, you know, he's a former Patriots defensive coordinator. On defense, the Lions were bad last year, which is like, how? Do, how? I mean, you'd think Matt Patricia, defensive coach, would figure it out. It hasn't worked. They did add two corners. They added Desmond Trufant from Atlanta. The Lions also drafted lockdown corner, who I really like, Jeff Okuda from Ohio State with the third overall pick. They signed former Patriots linebacker Jamie Collins. They are 
pairing him with another former Patriot who they got last year in the offseason, Trey Flowers. The Lions defense has some interesting names. Offense, too. But in my opinion, the Lions are going to go 5-11. and 11. They're going to have to realize, we got to rebuild this. This is not working. My long-term prediction, that the record's going to be 5-11, but after that, my long-term prediction for Detroit is that they're going to end up hitting the reset button after this year, unfortunately. And, and maybe move, they might move on from Matthew Stafford, their quarterback, where I feel so bad for Matthew Stafford because he's really good. He's been one of the only bright spots for Detroit in the last couple of years, really maybe the last even like decade. Is that 10 years? I think a decade's 10 years. Matthew Stafford has been the victim of a bad organization, but he's also 32 years old. And so I think when the Lions, if they decide to give up on Matt Patricia, if they decide, hey, Matt Patricia, you've had three years, it's not working. I mean, look at Matt Patricia. He's 9-22-1 as a Lions head coach. If they get rid of Matt Patricia, their head coach, they might also get rid of Matthew Stafford. Maybe they trade him. Maybe they release him to save money. But I think they might seek a younger quarterback if, in fact, the Lions decide to rebuild and do that without their quarterback, Matt Patricia. This is their, their coach, excuse me, Matt Patricia. This is Matt Patricia's make-it-or-break-it year. He's got to deliver as a coach in Detroit. And part of Matt Patricia's problem is his approach. He's a former Bill Belichick understudy in New England. And the problem is his approach of trying to be Bill Belichick doesn't work. He's not Bill Belichick. And unless you have the resume of Bill Belichick, you can't get away with his approach, that colder, harsher approach. It doesn't work unless you're Bill Belichick. That's why most of his understudies fail out of New England is because guys try to do it his way rather than do it their way. Look at uh, Brian Flores in Miami. He's another Bill Belichick guy, but he's doing a lot better so far because he's doing it his way. He's being himself. He's not trying to be Bill Belichick. Unfortunately, I see the Lions going 5-11. and 11. This is Matt Patricia's probably final year in Detroit. It's not working. I think they're going to have to rebuild after they realize Matt Patricia, his approach isn't going to work here in Detroit, and things are not being turned around. The, the ownership in Detroit has said, we need to make a run at the playoffs. We have to be a team that's on the cusp of the playoffs. If we're not, we're going to pull the plug. I believe that the Lions are going to pull the plug on Matt Patricia and maybe even Matthew Stafford at the end of this year. Even though I think Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback who could go to another team and play well, he's just getting old. And if you rebuild, you want to rebuild around, hopefully, a young quarterback with the Lions. I believe the Chicago Bears are going to go 4-12 and in 2020. They named Mitchell Trubisky their starting quarterback. And, oh, man. When I heard that, when I read that headline, I cringed. It wasn't good. It's like, really? Come on, guys. Either Mitchell Trubisky got way, way better, or more likely Nick Foles, who they traded for to compete with Mitchell Trubisky, maybe Nick Foles simply wasn't very good. Uh, Bears fans are hoping that Trubisky got better. I'm with you. I'd like to see Trubisky succeed. I don't hate the guy. But I believe it's more likely that Nick Foles just did not come in with a ton of intensity, and he failed to win the job rather than Trubisky really is this incredible savior for the Bears franchise. The Bears offense is interesting. I like their running back, Tariq Cohen. They've got two solid receivers, Ted Ginn Jr. and a really great receiver, Allen Robinson, who used to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. I can't believe the Jaguars let him leave. 
The uh, the Bears added tight end Teddy uh, Jimmy Graham. Teddy Graham. What's Teddy Graham? Is that like a that's a snack? I believe the Bears added Jimmy Graham, a tight end I really like. They also drafted stud tight end out of Notre Dame, Cole Komet, in the second round. Jimmy Graham was a weird move. He seems to be declining, but I like Cole Komet. Is there some promise there at tight end? The defense is led by edge rusher Khalil Mack. Akeem Hicks is back as an interior defensive lineman for the Bears. He was injured last year. He only played in five games. Having Akeem Hicks back is going to be a big impact on Khalil Mack's season, believe it or not. Having them work together inside and outside, it's going to make Khalil Mack more effective. I also like linebacker, inside linebacker Roquan Smith. They added Robert Quinn, a pass rusher from Dallas. Now, on the back end, I like Eddie Jackson at safety. I like corner Kyle Fuller. This defense is very, very solid. The problem is the Bears need to score points. And I forgive my stubbornness. I refuse to give Mitchell Trubisky the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't deserve it. Trubisky's got a lot to prove. I would love to see Mitchell Trubisky make me look silly and dominate the league. I am rooting for Mitchell Trubisky. But when it comes time to say, hey, Zach, do you believe in the Chicago Bears in 2020? I go, who's their quarterback? Oh, it's Mitchell Trubisky? Eh, I, I don't buy in. I can't believe in the Bears winning a lot of games because I simply do not believe in their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. Until he proves otherwise, he will never get the benefit of the doubt from me. And at this point, I believe that's fair. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the NFC West. We'll talk about the NFC East. That is uh, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, Seattle, the 49ers, and a lot more. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, I want to talk about the NFC West now. I have the Arizona Cardinals going 12-4 and in 2020. And if you don't know, the way I make predictions is I go through Every single game of the schedule, 256 games, and I pick a winner for every game. Then I go and count everything up. And I will admit, I was surprised when I realized I had the Cardinals going 12 and 4. Like, I know they're good, but 12 and 4? And here's the thing I ran through their schedule multiple times, and it checks out to me. They have a super favorable schedule, and if they go 4 and 2 in their division, then it's very possible. They need to sweep the Rams. They need to beat the Rams twice. Then they need to beat Seattle once and beat San Francisco once. If they do that, 12-4 and is very possible. This is a team, you know, the Cardinals got way, way better this offseason. I love their quarterback, Kyler Murray. He feels a lot like a situation which we had with Lamar Jackson last year in 2019 where... I believe the Cardinals are going to surprise a lot of people and shred the NFL. And people are going to go, oh, like, wow, where did Arizona come from? Their head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, is a great, really great offensive mind. And they added a superstar receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Think about it this way. I, I have no idea how you defend the Arizona Cardinals. At receiver, you have DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Andy Isabella, and at running back, they have Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, who can both catch passes out of the backfield. That's a crazy matchup. On defense, they drafted linebacker Isaiah Simmons. He's athletic enough and skilled enough to guard the 49ers tight end, George Kittle. I love their safety, Buda Baker. They've got a corner, Patrick Peterson, I like. The Cardinals can put up a ton of points, and their defense got better. This is a team that's going to surprise a lot, a lot of people. 
And if you hate the Cowboys, I recommend you watch the Cowboys versus the Cardinals. It's in Dallas, week six. I believe the Cardinals are going to blow them out. The Cardinals are going to smash the Dallas Cowboys week six. And I might be outsmarting myself. But I got to say, to me, the Cardinals this year feels a lot like the Ravens did last year. The surprise Ravens with Lamar Jackson. I think Kyler Murray is going to shred the NFL. I am really high on the Cardinals. Again, I might be outsmarting myself, but I I just, I'm all in on the Cardinals. I think they're going to be really, really awesome this year in 2020. I believe the Seattle Seahawks are going to go 11 and 5 in 2020. Look, they have a perennial MVP caliber quarterback, Russell Wilson. They've got some good receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They added a guy named Philip Dorsett. And I'm really curious, can Philip Dorsett have a breakout year? He's a former Patriot. He's very talented, but he made a lot of mistakes. He was really incredibly infuriating to watch last year in New England. Josh Gordon, a receiver's on this roster as well. He's currently suspended. But I'm curious if Josh Gordon can make an impact later down the road as the year goes on. You have a new tight end, Greg Olson, who is a veteran standout. I also like tight end Will Disley. The Seahawks are going to run the ball really well. I like what they're doing. And the biggest name the Seattle have on defense is Jamal Adams. They made a really big move. They traded for Jamal Adams from the New York Jets. He's the best safety in the NFL. And what he does is give Seattle the ability to cover the 49ers tight end, George Kittle, who, in my opinion, is the best tight end in football. Adding Jamal Adams, the safety, he's incredibly versatile. He can do a lot of stuff. He plays around the line of scrimmage a lot, too, which is very unique for a linebacker. He's going to be a huge boost to this defense. Plus, they have linebacker Bobby Wagner, who's a stud. Uh, Now, Seattle's offensive line is all right. They're not perfect. And my fear is that, which this is something we see a lot from the Seahawks. I think it's going to happen again this year. My fear is that down the stretch, this team is going to rely too much on their quarterback, Russell Wilson, rescuing them from bad situations, which is just not a good policy and a good approach, in my opinion. Long term, it's not sustainable. But I will say this, the Seahawks lost two really close games to the 49ers last year. And I believe Jamal Adams is the difference that's going to help them win at least one of those games in 2020. I have the Seahawks going 11-5, and doing really well in their division, and challenging the 49ers. I think Jamal Adams, man, that's a massive move. The best safety in football, and he's going to make that defense a lot, a lot better in Seattle. Now, the 49ers. I believe the 49ers are going to go 11-5 and five in 2020. Look, I'll admit it. I, I kind of can't believe I don't have them winning their division. The NFC West is a wild, wild place. We'll call it the wild, 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 wild west. I could very easily see the 49ers going 12-4 and four or 13-3. and three. I have them at 11-5. and five. But it really would not be hard to convince me that they're going to do better than my prediction. Here's what's crazy about the 49ers. They lost two really good players, receiver Emmanuel Sanders and defensive tackle DeForest Buckner. But amazingly, in the first round of the NFL draft, they found a way to replace them with younger and cheaper options. They drafted defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw 14th overall, and they drafted receiver Brandon Ayuk 25th overall. It's like, wow! That's a big move. Now, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, two receivers, maybe banged up and missed week one against the Cardinals. 
And missing those two receivers is going to be a big blow. But they still have Kendrick Bourne. They also have receiver Trent Taylor. Trent Taylor's a guy who got hurt last year, so people tend to forget about him. He didn't really play. But he's a good little slot receiver. Trent Taylor deserves a little bit more respect than I think he's getting around the league. They've got a tight end, George Kittle. He's the best tight end in football. And that's why, in fact, that's why the Seahawks added Jamal Adams. That's why the Cardinals drafted Isaiah Simmons. They needed to find a way to try to have an effort to stop George Kittle. Now, here's what's great. Crazily this year, if somehow a team does find a way to stop George Kittle, then the 49ers have a counter now. They brought in another highly capable tight end, Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed has been constantly injured throughout his career. But I got to say, if Jordan Reed is healthy, then he's terrifying. And it's entirely possible that Jordan Reed does stay healthy this year because he's a backup. And being a number two means he's going to get fewer reps and fewer chances to get hurt. The less he's on the field, the less likely it is he's going to have a really bad, really important injury. Now, there's another crazy replacement I haven't talked about yet. I talked about, they got, wow, they, got, they replaced Emmanuel Sanders. They replaced uh, DeForest Buckner. They also lost their longtime left tackle, Joe Staley. He retired. Uh, and really, round of applause for Joe Staley. What a great career he had. Very well done. Now, amazingly, the 49ers were able to trade for a new left tackle, Trent Williams from Washington. He's a star left tackle. He's a former pro bowler. And really the only reason that the 49ers were able to trade for him is because he hated Washington and he refused to play for that organization. And I just got to say, you have to give the 49ers general manager, John Lynch, a ton of credit. The moves he made this offseason were just amazing. He made move after move, finding a way, plugging holes left and right, going, we got this guy, we got that guy, wheeling and dealing. I just really, really admire and respect what John Lynch was able to pull off. Now, the 49ers also have three interesting running backs. They've got Raheem Mostert, they've got Tevin Coleman, and back from an injury, from tearing his ACL last year, like in training camp, either training camp or week one, Jarek McKinnon. I think he tore his ACL in training camp, if I remember correctly. This is off the top of my head. Uh, he tore his ACL last year. He's a great receiving back, and no one's talking about Jarek McKinnon. He's going to be a fun returner to the 49ers. Like, I, I expected to do a lot of good stuff even last year. Now, the 49ers' defense... Oh boy, it is loaded. On the defensive line, they have Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DJ Jones, and the guy I previously mentioned, uh, Javon Kinlaw. They've got good linebackers, Quan Alexander, Dre Greenlaw, Fred Warner. Three solid corners, Emmanuel Mosley, Richard Sherman, and plus Akilah Witherspoon if they're in a situation where they need three corners on the field. I'll be honest, as I talk about all the talent that the 49ers have, it's kind of hard for me to still say, they're going to go 11-5. and five. I'm going to stick with it. I trust my process. That's what I came up with. And, and I'll share. I never do this. I never talk about the games I have a team losing. These are the five games I have the 49ers losing this year. I have them losing week one to the Arizona Cardinals. It's a tough game. They're missing some dudes for week one with injuries. I have them losing to New England week seven where they should not lose to New England. But I think New England is a really well-coached team that could steal a game week seven. I have the 49ers losing... At Seattle, week eight, I have week 10, they lose to New Orleans at New Orleans. And then week 13, I have Buffalo going into San Francisco and beating the 49ers. Now, week 13, if the, Buffaloes can, if, the, if the Buffalo Bills can go into 
San Francisco and beat the 49ers. That's a crazy impressive win. I have it happening, but I under, I recognize that my prediction might be a little bit out there. I might be crazy. These are all very, very close games that could really go either way. Now, maybe there's a Super Bowl hangover. That's kind of my get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, oh, well, they've got a Super Bowl hangover. They lost a Super Bowl. Maybe they won't be quite the same. Here's what I know for sure, though. The 49ers are going to be a ton of fun to watch this year. They're a team that's right on the cusp of maybe making it back to the Super Bowl. Like, what if we get a Super Bowl that's just another rematch where it's the 49ers and the Chiefs again this year? Would not—how surprised would you be if that happened? I, I really would not be that surprised. And if I'm wrong this year, if the 49ers do better than 11-5, and five, I really, first of all, I hope that 49ers fans can forgive me. And if I'm wrong, what's going to be fun is talking about the things that made me wrong. Why will I get my prediction wrong? It's going to be a fun year. I'm excited to watch the 49ers. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, by the way, is going to take another step forward. I haven't even talked about him yet. Uh, and I, I just can't wait to find out what goes on in San Francisco this year. They did an incredible job rebuilding their team and filling the holes that they found this offseason. And uh, I'm really, really excited to watch the 49ers this year in 2020. I believe the LA Rams are going to go 6-10 and 10 in 2020. Here's the problem. The Rams division, the NFC West, the wild, wild West, is loaded with so many good teams. And the pro- somebody's got to lose out here. Also, the Rams went for broke during their Super Bowl run. They gave out a lot of really big contracts, and it was a short-term game. They made it to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they didn't beat the New England Patriots. They lost, and the long-term pain of that is that now they had all these big contracts this offseason. They had to find a way to unload, and this offseason for the Rams was mostly about letting go of big contracts. They released Todd Gurley. They let Indomitian Sue walk. They traded Brandon Cooks. Their offensive line is aging and getting older. And as I look around at the Rams, the sports world is kind of weird because I look at the quarterback of the Rams, and we have such a hard time. Players like Rams quarterback Jared Goff is a person that people in the sports world really struggle with because people want athletes to be amazing. And if an athlete isn't amazing, we go, they must be terrible. And there's really not a lot of room for nuance there. And the problem is nuance right in the middle between – Terrible and amazing is where Jared Goff falls. He's not a bum, but Jared Goff is also not amazing. He's solid, even if he does leave room for things to be desired. But my big question in L.A. with Jared Goff is, how driven is he? Is he happy? Is he just happy and rich living in L.A.? Like, yeah, I'm a starting quarterback. Life is good. I'm famous. I make a lot of money. I got a cool house. Or is Jared Goff really motivated? Is Jared Goff hungry, and desperate to take the next step in his development as a player. I've never gotten the sense that Jared Goff is incredibly hungry and putting his head down and trying to become the best quarterback he can possibly be. Uh, The Rams have some good players. I love Jalen Ramsey. He's a shutdown corner. Aaron Donald is a dominant defensive tackle. I like receiver. Cooper Cup, he's back from an injury. By the way, Robert Woods can play. But the LA Rams leave me with a bunch of questions. Will Jared Goff improve? Will one of their running backs emerge as a stud running back, maybe become a really good starter? Who's going to guard George Kittle when they play the 49ers? Right now, it appears that L.A. has no answer to stop George Kittle. And not a lot of people do anyway, but they definitely have nobody. They don't even have a plan. 
to try to slow down George Kittle. They're just going to run their defense and hope that George Kittle doesn't shred them to pieces. Look, I, I love the Rams head coach Sean McVay. He's one of the guys that, if I had to pick a coach to play for in the NFL, it'd be Matt Rule and Sean McVay. That's probably my number two, one and two pick. But I got to look at the Rams and say they are surrounded by really, really good teams. And that is why I have the Rams going 6 and 10 in 2020. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break when I return. We're going to end with the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Giants, the Eagles, and of course, (laughs) the Washington football team. Guys, the Cowboys in particular is going to be incredibly entertaining. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. I want to now talk about the NFC East. And I'm asking people, get your pitchforks ready. Bring on the angry mob because I have the Dallas Cowboys going 8-8 eight and eight in 2020. Look, I'm not just trying to make people angry, though. This is what I actually believe is going to happen. I have them winning the NFC East, but I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. And I know that seems a little bit harsh, uh, certainly because their roster is more talented than that record. But my prediction really boils down to this one thing. The Cowboys play a lot of tough games this year. And unfortunately, based on what we've seen in the past, I do not trust the Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, to deliver in a close game against a good team. And I I just, I, I don't see it, man. They got a new head coach, Mike McCarthy. He's an offensive mind. Maybe he makes Dak better. And, you know, even if he, they don't, they could easily go 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six if... You know, Minnesota or Pittsburgh or Seattle gets injured and maybe if Ben Roethlisberger's out or something like that. But when I did the math, I couldn't find a loss I wanted to give up. You know, I see eight losses for the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to be fun as well to see if Dak Prescott can earn a big long-term contract. He's on a franchise tag this year. How does Dak Prescott play? It's like the number one storyline for Dallas this year. I can't wait to find out. But Dak has a lot of support. He's got a, one of the best running backs in the NFL, Ezekiel Elliott. They drafted a receiver, CeeDee Lamb, from Oklahoma in the first round. They also have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. The Cowboys' offensive line, though, however, is in decline. Uh, their left tackle, Al Collins, is going to start the year on injured reserve. So will Sean Lee, a linebacker. He's injured as well. Now, the Cowboys' defense has some names that I like. They have two DNs I like. They have Everson Griffin and a stud defensive end, Demarcus Lawrence. But they're also starting a rookie, Trayvon Diggs, at cornerback. And he can play, but he's a rookie. And I think he's going to get burned early on before he starts to figure things out as the year goes on. Now, the Cowboys do have two great linebackers. They have Jalen Smith and Leighton Vanderesh, And then Sean Lee when he comes back from being injured. Uh, and if he can stay healthy, that'd be great. I like this defense. There's a lot of talent here. But their defense has got to stay healthy. And then at the end of the day, The biggest problem I have with the Cowboys and the biggest question mark with this team is can Dak Prescott elevate to the level of the roster around him? That answer is going to define the Cowboys season. How does Dak Prescott play? He's got weapons around him. He's got a solid defense, but he's got to deliver in big moments against good teams. And so far in his career, we have no evidence that he can do that. Again, maybe... Mike McCarthy makes him a new, different, better quarterback than we've ever seen before. But based on what we've seen in the past, I just have no confidence that Dak Prescott can deliver in a big, important game when it matters most. 
All right. I believe the Eagles are going to go 7 and 9 in 2020. Let's start with the good. I love the Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz. He's at the top level of the NFL if you ask me. I love him. And if he gets hurt, they still have a good backup. They have Jalen Hurts as their backup quarterback. And furthermore, if Jalen Hurts gets injured and let's say that Carson Wentz, the starter, gets hurt, they also have Josh McCown signed as their emergency reserve third-string quarterback, which means they have a lot of depth at the quarterback position, which if you're an Eagles fan, you know that might be incredibly important as the year goes on. I like running back Miles Sanders. Uh, receiver Deshaun Jackson can still play despite the weird offseason he's had saying all kinds of stuff he should never say. Tight end Zach Ertz is really good. I also like Dallas Godert. Here's the problem, though. The team is already dealing with players getting hurt. They drafted this awesome rookie receiver, Jalen Rager, at a TCU in the first round, and bam, Jalen Rager's injured. And here's how he got injured. Jalen Rager got hurt in a scrimmage tackling somebody after a interception. You're like, oh, come on, guys. That's a big deal. They need Jalen Rager to become the deep threat they missed out on having last year in Philadelphia. I was excited to watch Jalen Rager make a big impact in Philly. Now we may not see that at all, at least definitely not in the first couple weeks. And if even if Jalen Rager get, comes back, if he's gimpy and hurt for the rest of the year, he's never going to be quite the same for the, until he's healthy next year. So I, that's really disappointing. Miles Sanders, I mentioned him. He's a running back. He's banged up. Alshon Jeffrey, the receiver's banged up. Uh, Lane Johnson, the left tackle, is questionable for week one with an injury. The Eagles offensive line has a lot of quality names from their Super Bowl run. But the Eagles cannot afford to get hurt. Now, on defense, uh, D-tackle, Fletcher Cox stands out. They added corner Darius Slay. But at the end of the day, across their defense, the Eagles did not add enough players and make enough upgrades for me to have a lot of confidence in their defense. There's not a lot of depth. I have the Eagles at 7-9. and nine. And my fear is they're going to struggle with injuries again this year. I believe the New York Giants will go 4-12 and 12 in 2020. They did a complete overhaul of their organization. They got a new head coach, Joe Judge. Uh, they got a new offensive coordinator, the former Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett. Joe Judge strikes me as a guy who is a lot of rah-rah, a lot of he's trying to be different. You know, there was a moment where he made their quarterback, Daniel Jones, live at practice getting hit. My fear is I hope that the players in New York don't find Joe Judge and his approach to be annoying. Uh, they're doing a lot of weird college stuff. There are stories I'm like, really? They're doing that in the NFL? Maybe it's different. It's going to be incredible. I fear it's going to be annoying for the players. Now, we'll see if it works. Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the New York Giants, is entering his second year. And I'm really curious to watch his development. It's a very important year for Daniel Jones' development. And I really think it could go either way. But I got to say, I really hope that Daniel Jones does well. I like him. He's talented. Um, but we just got to see. I don't know how Jason Garrett's going to do. I'm curious to watch the development of Daniel Jones. They got some solid receivers. They got Golden Tate. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. I love their running back, Saquon Barkley. He's a stud. They also got a good number two running back, Deion Lewis. A nice tight end, Devin Ingram. And there's just a lot of quality pieces around Daniel Jones. Now, their offensive line, similar to the quarterback himself, it's a work in progress. They drafted left tackle Andrew Thomas, number four overall. 
he is going to start day one as a rookie. He may struggle early because of his status as a rookie. Now, on defense, New York has Dexter Lawrence on the defensive line, a 2019 first-round pick. They added Leonard Williams from the Jets. Uh, they got two good safeties. I like Logan Ryan and Jarrell Peppers. All in all, I, I don't hate the Giants. I really like the people they have there. I want them to do well. And I hate saying that the Giants are going to go 4-12 and in 2020. But in my opinion, this is a rebuilding year for the New York Giants. They're a work in progress on defense, uh, and they're a work in progress with their young quarterback, Daniel Jones. There still are some positives to track and follow here. You know, for me, I just really want to watch the development of Daniel Jones as a quarterback. But I got to say, I have the Giants going 4-12 and and learning a lot, growing a lot. But ultimately, it's a rebuilding year for the New York Giants. I have the Washington football team going 2 and 14 in 2020. There are three exciting reasons to watch the Washington football team this year, and all three of them are from Ohio State. I am really looking forward to watching Dwayne Haskins, the young second-year quarterback out of Ohio State, grow. Uh, I just want to watch him get better as a, as a person, as a quarterback, the way he interacts on the sideline, the way he reads defenses. I want to watch Dwayne Haskins grow as a quarterback this year. There's also the stud receiver Terry McLaurin, it's really kind of crazy and shameful that he fell all the way to the third round last year. He was probably the best rookie receiver in the entire NFL last year. Plus, you have rookie defensive end Chase Young. He was the number two overall pick out of Ohio State. Uh, he's the best non-quarterback that was drafted in the NFL draft. He's going to be scary to watch. I can't wait to watch him sack Dak Prescott, sack Daniel Jones, sack Carson Wentz. He's going to do incredible stuff this year. And it's kind of crazy to me, you know, Washington has no team name, but all their star players are from Ohio State. You can almost call them the Washington Buckeyes, uh, you know, naming them after the Ohio State Buckeyes. Kind of fun for me. I might even call them that this year. I'll say, we have the Washington Buckeyes against the Chicago Bears or whatever the heck they're playing that week. Because to me, that's why I want to watch is those three players from Ohio State. All in all, though, this is a team that is rebuilding. Uh, I do love their new head coach, Ron Rivera, but unfortunately, he literally has cancer. It's treatable, it's curable, I think it's going to be okay, but having cancer and treating cancer does still bring on a lot of complications, and I've got nothing against this team, but I see a lot of holes on this roster. I see a lot of things where I'm like, ooh, that's a problem, that's a problem. Like on their offensive line, they lost Eric Flowers, uh, they traded away left tackle Trent Williams, not that he played for them anyway, but it's going to be a tough rebuilding year for Washington However, again, those three players from Ohio State, that is the bright spot for Washington this year. It's going to be really fun to track their progress, to track Chase Young, to follow Dwayne Haskins, to watch Terry McLaurin play. Those are the three reasons to watch the Washington football team this year. Otherwise, I have them going 2-14 and 14 and not being that incredibly fun to watch play football. Let's recap the NFC. I have in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers going 11-5, and five, winning their division. I have the Vikings and their football team going 10-6. and six. I have the Lions going 5-11, and 11, probably ultimately canning their coach and maybe even moving on from Matthew Stafford. I have the Bears going 4-12, and 12, simply because I do not believe in their quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. In the NFC South, you have the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees going 11-5. and five. I have the Buccaneers and Tom Brady going 10-6. and six. It's going to be a really close battle between the Saints and the Buccaneers. I have the Falcons going 7-9. and nine. I have the Panthers turning things around. It's the beginning of the first step of trying to rebuild that franchise. They're going to go 4-12. and 12. 
I have in the NFC East the Dallas Cowboys winning their division at eight and eight. I have the Eagles getting injured a bunch, going seven and nine. I have the Giants going four and twelve. They're learning a lot. Their offensive line is young. Daniel Jones is learning. I have the Washington football team, really the Washington Buckeyes, going two and four, uh, two and fourteen this year. In the NFC West, I have the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray shocking the world, doing kind of what we saw from the Ravens last year, going twelve and four. I have the Seattle Seahawks going eleven and five. I have the really impressive uh, San Francisco 49ers. Maybe the the Cardinals and the 49ers are my my two picks. I'm like, wow, this could go any way. I have the 49ers going eleven and five, and I have the LA Rams going six and ten this year, paying for some of their really interesting moves they made during their Super Bowl run. In the playoffs in the NFC, I have the number one seed, the Arizona Cardinals at twelve and four. The Packers and Saints, number two and three, at eleven and five. The fourth seed will be the Dallas Cowboys at eight and eight for winning their division. You have three wild card teams this year. So number one, I have Seattle at eleven and five, San Francisco at eleven and five, and then number three, the number three seed in the NFL, NFC playoffs. I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at ten and six. They're there because the Buccaneers went four and two in their division. The Vikings also go at ten and six, but the Vikings are three and three in the NFC North in their division. So the Vikings lose out to the Buccaneers, even though they have the same record in the NFC. That is how I see the NFC shaking out, guys. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. My voice hurts so much. My throat, my my wisdom teeth, I got to get them out at some point. I I probably should stop putting it off. I just, uh, insurance is a pain and figuring out this. I don't know. My mouth literally hurts really bad. So if I sound weird today, that's why. Um, I can't tell. I just know that every time I open my mouth really wide to pronounce a word, it just hurts. So, um, I, I, you know, you're listening, screaming at your podcast device going, Zach, take care of it. I'm on it, but it's more complicated than you know behind the scenes. Uh, my name is Zach Schaumler. I hope you had a great episode. I will see you guys. Well, really, this episode will come out, and then a couple hours after this, another episode will come out with Brett Coleman and Tom Grassi. I love you. Have a great day. Ba-dum-bum. Bam, we are done.